We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, this is Luka Doncic. Can he get it away in time on the step back? He does! He hits! He hits! And the Mavericks have won the game! Luka Doncic with a 30-footer to win it at the horn! And you're listening to the Mavs Step Back Podcast. All right, everybody. Welcome in to another episode of the Mavs Step Back Podcast. This is the latest installment of Mavs Step Back Live. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg. You can find all of my work at DallasBasketball.com. I'm always putting all that work and other Mavs-related content out on my Twitter page. It's at Dalton underscore Trigg. And today, to start out, uh, I've got my DallasBasketball.com colleague, Grant Afseth. You can find all of his great work. Uh, he posts on Twitter, at Grant Afseth. And uh, he, he does a lot of great work for us, and we are thoroughly enjoying uh, this Mavs playoff run so far. Even though, you know... I personally think this series should have uh, should have ended in five games, but you know they had a the Mavs had a lot of unfortunate things go against them in Game Four, uh, but they turned around in Game Five and they came out with the with the mindset that you expected them to come out with. You know, kind of pissed off, had a chip on their shoulder. Uh, they're playing at home, absolutely can't lose that game, and then they go out and completely smother the Jazz. Uh, 102 to 77. Uh, I believe it was it was definitely the Mavs' best defensive performance of the year. I believe it was the Jazz. Uh, it was their worst scoring performance of the year. Uh, for what you know, in the regular season, they were the league's top offense. So, just some crazy stuff going on. Uh, but you know, the Mavs that came out, Luca, he looked more like himself. He scored 30 points in Game Four. But in game five, he had 33 points, and he just looked – he looked more like himself. So uh, that was great to see. Grant, what's your initial thoughts uh, from from the Mavs in game five and pushing the Jazz to the brink of elimination? Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> defensively they were really impressive, as you said. And I think uh, it was interesting to see – uh, some changes in the offensive approach, like using more uh, like stack pick and roll to kind of punish the uh, Jazz for not wanting to switch against Luka. Um, I think uh, that was just kind of an interesting counter uh, since, you know, they tried to use guard screeners uh, a good amount in the, the previous game. Uh, the Jazz kept trying to show and recover. 
Um, so kind of just making them pay for not wanting to switch Conley off of uh, Bullock was a uh, was a pretty interesting kind of thing. And just seeing uh, Jalen Brunson continue to uh, you know score twenty plus points was pretty substantial too. I feel like. I think one of the biggest things with Luca coming back, and I mean, I, I mentioned it on the timeline last night, and you know, I'm sure people have observed this as well, but. You know, Boyan Bogdanovich was just absolutely stellar through the first three games. Even though the Mavs built a 2-1 lead in the series without Luka playing, he was like the only reason they were even in those games because he was shooting lights out. Uh, it was 20-plus points every game, super efficient. He was getting it down in the post and punishing the Mavs' smaller uh, players when they were switched onto him. But now with Luka back, it's like not only – not only is Luca, he you know he provides a bigger body to put on Bogdanovich defensively, and Luca's a much improved defensive player. But you know, over the course of a game, and the, the Jazz have decided to put Bogdanovich guarding Luca, and you know, on a lot of occasions, it's been full court, <laughs> full full court pressure on him. You know, over the course of two games, that has to wear on a guy, and we saw it in the last game. You know, he only scored twelve points. Uh, even though the Jazz ended up winning game four. And then last night, it just bottomed out. He only had two points, and he was 0 of 9. From I'm just wondering, you know, how how much of a swing is that in this series uh, with how they've used Bogdanovich? Is it is it something that Quinn Snyder can adjust to, or, you know, is that is that just like their best option and they're just hoping it works? Yeah, I think honestly, um, I think they're kind of out or tapped out of uh, different uh, things to turn to. I think, uh, you know, trying to pick up full court <clears throat> with some uh, intensity has worn them out, as you said. But I think uh, honestly, uh, when you kind of just play the chess match out in your head, um, I think the Mavericks turning to the Spain pick and roll uh, more often than they did in last game. There's really nothing. Uh, kind of with the uh, disadvantages that the Jazz have, uh, they can do to kind of um, adjust in a way. Because, you know, you're not going to want to have Gobert out in space. You're not going to want Conley to switch onto Luka um, or really just guard the ball in general. And then when you flip it to the other side of the ball, um, you know, Bogdanovich is worn out and you're not really going to run the offense through him too much. Um, you know, like, there's not too much you can do, especially when uh, the Mavericks have already shown that they're going to load up on his post-ups after the uh, earlier games in the series when he was like doing some drop steps uh, to get to the rim. They, they started to kind of pre-rotate. So uh, you're not really going to run ball screens for him either, and they're staying uh, attached to him uh, on like pin downs and stuff. So honestly, like uh, I think it kind of comes down to Mike Conley uh, not being – kind of the player that they uh, expected to relieve some pressure off of uh, Donovan Mitchell uh, kind of initiating the offense. I think that's pretty much been a, a pretty substantial factor for sure. Oh, yeah. Mike Conley has been just brutal for Utah this entire series. He had one good game uh, in the – was it game three maybe? I think it might have been game three where he it looked like he uh, was kind of breaking out of his offensive slump and then – you know, the, the struggles have just continued. I mean, maybe it's age, maybe it's wear and tear. I mean, I don't know, but he is, uh, he has not been good for the Jazz at all. Um, um, uh, Donovan Mitchell, 
he has had some some high scoring games in this series, uh, but his his shooting has been really off. You know, you got to give credit to uh, the Mavs perimeter defenders, uh, mainly Dorian Finney-Smith and Reggie Bullock. Uh, they have just been they have been incredible this series, playing the majority of the games each game. Dorian played forty seven minutes in one game. <laughs> this series, like uh, they have just been Iron Men for this Dallas team and they have done an excellent job on Donovan Mitchell. You know, he's he's gotten loose in a couple games and gotten some easy buckets and everything, but overall, uh it's just been very hard for Mitchell to get get anything going consistently. You know, last night he only played 32 minutes, uh but he was 4 of 15 from the field, 0 of 7 from 3, uh and only scored 9 points. And I wanted to get your opinion on it because Mitchell went out in the fourth quarter and he was grabbing at his hamstring area and uh, supposedly he's getting an MRI done on that today and they're going to update you know what the extent of that injury and we'll see what his availability is for for game six but I mean what is that something that potentially hurt his uh, performance in game five or you think that was kind of like a fluke thing that just happened at the end of the game and, you know, it was mainly just a case of Finney Smith and Bullock hounding him the entire night? I think it was something that probably happened uh, kind of later in the game. I think I remember seeing him uh, – I forgot um, – I think I missed like live when it happened, but I, I think I remember people pointing it out kind of later in the game, if I uh, remember correctly. But um, I do think, honestly, uh, the whole series, the priority has been to take away his space uh, for pull-up threes coming off the ball screens that he likes to use. Uh, he usually gets a lot of those in the regular season. And uh, I think in the last couple of playoffs, he's like feasted off those. Um, but I think uh, something that they did really well defensively to adjust was uh, there was someone almost always in position uh, in his path to the basket when he was driving and kind of made him settle for more floaters uh, as opposed to getting uh, actual finishes at the rim. And I think, uh, you know, when you take that away and they're not really able to rely on other players to kind of create opportunities for him to attack off the catch. Uh, and their their offensive schemes kind of been pretty uh, like reliant on the same couple things. Um, I think there's really uh, there's not much to turn to unless uh, you know he were to start kind of like drawing switches and attacking like uh, at a high volume like just throughout the course of a game. But that's not really something that he's done uh, a lot. So I think really there's not much to turn to if you're kind of like, uh, thinking of ways for the jazz to adjust to make things easier for him, for sure. Yeah. It's one of those situations where it's like, it just seems like the writing's on the wall. Now, obviously, you know, we've seen the Mavs go through some, some real offensive funks before and anything can happen when you're playing on the road for a, for a game six. But, you know, it just it just seems like everything is shaping up for this series to end on Thursday, you know, if the Mavs take care of business. And I just don't know. It, to me, it, it almost feels like it would be more of an advantage for the Mavs if Donovan Mitchell tried to play through the hamstring <laughs> injury instead of, uh, in, in, you know, instead of sitting out. Because, I mean, with the way they've defended him already – if he's hampered in any way, I mean, I, I just feel like that would be an advantage for them. You know, I don't, I don't feel like he would be able to do much in a game six. But you know, overall, 
I think the the Mavs have you know shown what we've seen the entire calendar year. The elite defense uh, when the role players are hitting on shots and attacking the boards and you know staying engaged throughout the game. This is a really hard team to beat. I mean, nobody should be surprised by how they're playing in the series. And you know, like I said earlier, if a couple bounces go their way uh, in Game Four and they don't have that bad no call on Mitchell in the fourth, you know, this series could have potentially ended last night uh, with Luca only playing two games in the entire series. So uh, they've had some really big quality wins over the course of the end of the regular season. And it looks like, uh, and I mean, knock on wood, I'm not going to, you know, jinx it or anything, but it looks like they're poised to uh, get out of the first round for the first time in 11 years, which is, which is incredible. I mean, uh, they would finally get the monkey off their back there. Uh, They had to face an incredibly tough, uh, healthy Los Angeles Clippers team the last two years with uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and, I wrote a piece on DallasBasketball.com. I put it up uh, about an hour or so ago. But, you know, just talking about how last year the Mavs were also up 3-2 in their series and they won a huge game five against the Clippers. A little bit different circumstances now. (laughs) You're not, you know, uh, they they had Kawhi Leonard just going nuts uh, at the end of that series. And, you know, they were still fully healthy. And the Mavs defense wasn't nearly as good as what it is right now. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a different set of circumstances. The jazz don't have anybody like, uh, Paul George or, or, uh, Kawhi Leonard to just completely take over for two straight games, in my opinion. And, you know, Luca last year where it was like, it was kind of a toss up between who was the best player in the series, Luca or Kawhi Leonard, you know, this year, you know, you can just tell by watching the game, Luca is definitely the best player on the floor. Uh, for either team, and I think that gives them a tremendous advantage uh, and a, a really good chance to end this series in six. So with that being said, Grant, we're looking at the rest of the Western Conference standings or the the playoff standings here. The Phoenix Suns are in a little bit of trouble. Uh, now, I, I don't – I'm not going to go as far as to say they're going to lose this series yet, but, man, I mean, I, I got to give Devin Booker more props than I did – in the regular season, you know, he was, there were some people calling for him to get more MVP consideration. And I was like, eh, I don't know about that. You know, CP three is probably just as valuable and they got Deandre Ayton and, uh, Mikhail Bridges and they just have a really high depth team, really good team overall. And I, I just didn't think that, uh, he deserved that much MVP consideration. Well, he goes out in game two of the series against the eight seeded Pelicans with a, uh, I believe, was that a hamstring injury? I think it was. Uh, but anyway, uh, he goes out, and the Pelicans win game two. Suns come back and win a close one in game three. And then the Pelicans blow out the Suns in game four. So we got a big game five between those two teams tonight. If New Orleans wins this one tonight, Grant, we could potentially be looking at a Mavs-Pelicans second-round series with the Mavs having home court for, for two straight years. I mean, whether the Pelicans pull it off or not, though, I think it probably, you know, it does the Mavs a favor, in a sense, if the series at least goes to seven games. What do you think about that one? 
Yeah, I agree. I think uh, um, definitely more time, uh, you know, if a series were to get extended for who, whoever they would end up facing uh, in round two, I, I think that only helps you out for sure with uh, Luca uh, getting back into uh, form and everything. Um, I think, uh, you know, just thinking about the matchups, um, you know, I think New Orleans is an interesting one because, uh, you know, that's quite a bit of difference in rim protection going from Rudy Gobert to Jonas Valanciunas. Uh, and I know they've been using Larry Nance Jr. Uh, like in some small ball lineups to switch, but, you know, I think uh, that kind of plays into what the Mavericks uh, would like to actually have happen is have a big switch, you know, like, um, I know he's more mobile than your typical big, obviously, but I think, uh, you know, those two factors, I think, would play pretty significantly into the Mavs' favor. Yeah, and I mean, the rest of and, – and look, I, I think either way, you know, if they play the Pelicans, I think they'd be favored to win that series, obviously. I personally would love it because I'm an hour and a half away from New Orleans. I would 100% be going to game games three and four of that series – um, and, you know, hopefully it would end by then. But, <laughs> uh, but you know, even if they end up playing the Suns, you don't know how much longer Devin Booker is going to be out. I mean, I know they said two to three weeks, but, you know, uh, that hamstring stuff is not something is not something you want to play with. And depending on the severity, you know, it could potentially be longer than that. We just have to see how it, how it works out for them. But um, I think – you know, just having Chris Paul play in extended minutes in a series, a first round series, I think that helps the Mavs out too. You know, he's Chris Paul is amazing, but he's not getting any younger, and he always kills the Mavs, especially in you know clutch time uh, when they played him in the in the regular season. So, and uh, you know, they've only played the Suns once since uh, trading KP. And it was a close game down the stretch, but that was really before they had kind of established this new identity of them being one of the best clutch teams in the league. So I'd be very interested in seeing how a Mavs Sun second round series goes, you know, with what the Mavs have been able to accomplish in the second half of this season, you know, because from, from the trade deadline till now, the Mavs have been the best clutch team in the league. So. And the Suns are obviously one of the best ones as well. So, you know, I think it would be a really fun series. And with Luca back and completely healthy and playing the way he's been playing here lately, I think, uh, you know, the Mavs would have a, a real good chance of moving on to the Western Conference Finals, no matter who they play in the second round. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, okay, I do have a speaker request here. And just a reminder, if anybody wants to speak, uh, send one up. And if you're not talking, just keep it on mute, and that keeps it, uh, sounding good on the recordings, but Jay Pry, let me get you up here. Jay, what's up, man? How you doing? Doing pretty good. How are you? Pretty good, man. What you got for us? Uh, so I just heard that you were talking about uh, Devin Booker's injury, and as someone who has um, uh, torn their hamstring twice, <laughs> um, I, I know that it's not a tear for him. It's just a strain, or a, I guess a, a slight tear, rather. Um, but those injuries linger uh, really bad. I mean, that's for all your acceleration. Um, you have to use the hamstring for that. Anytime you jump, you have to use the hamstring for that. So uh, even if he comes back and, and let's say we do have to face the Suns in the second round, he's not going to be the same player until he has an offseason to to rehab. I, I know that that sounds a little extreme because Luca just got back from a calf strain, but it's a completely different muscle. Uh, and so I – 
while I never want anyone to be injured, I will say that, uh, you know, this is an injury that is very beneficial for us, even if he does come back. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And look, I, I, when I was playing football in 10th grade and I tore my, I think it was my left hamstring. Yeah, it was my left hamstring. I'm still not right from that. I mean, it's, it's better, you know, I, <laughs> I, I like to think I recovered from it the best I could, you know, was still mm-hmm. young and everything and younger, younger people recover quicker and all that stuff. But I mean, you can still tell to this day. I mean, it's just not, <laughs> it's not what it used to be. So, I mean, it's definitely something that, you know, you want to, it's definitely something you want to keep an eye on and, you know, they don't want to rush him back too soon. And even though it is a strain, if it, you know, develops into a full tear, then they're like really screwed going forward. Right. So it's definitely important for the Mavs. Definitely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm still pulling for the Pelicans either way. I would much rather face them even, uh, even more so than a, a Bookerless Suns team. But, uh, but yeah, that's all I got for you. Well, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I'm going to go on to our next speaker here. Let's see. Christian, how you doing, man? Hey, what's up, fellas? How y'all doing? Doing good, man. That was uh, that was something last night. The environment, you know, it looked like the AAC was just absolutely rocking. You know, you know, it's uh, Casey Smith. He's on Twitter, the Mavs lead athletic uh, I guess he's the athletic director or the lead guy over it or whatever his official title is. But, you know, he, he's on Twitter, but he doesn't ever really say much. And even he broke out of his shell and was just like, man, the fans at American Airlines Center were nuts tonight. <laughs> so yeah. you, you know it's good when he when something like that's happening. But what you got for us today? Yeah, and on that, I mean – I've been very critical of the AAC at times, especially in some games. It's like, you know, we should have a real fortress, and we did for quite some time. And whether it was, you know, I think the, you know, from like 2013-ish on, we kind of knew we weren't actual contenders. And so maybe that influenced it and the enthusiasm wasn't there. But shout out to... Uh, everyone that was there last night, I mean, it it was a, a fantastic sight to see. Wish I could be there. And I'm definitely uh, going to be trying. Um, I've only seen one Mavs game in person before in Chicago when we got blown out. Uh, so I'm definitely going to try to make it to the AAC and watch a actual home game soon. But um, I think, uh, you know, just last night, I think the, you know, I talk about Reggie enough, but love Reggie and Doe standing up uh, for, for Luca on that, even though to be fair to Whiteside, it wasn't as bad as it seemed. But the thing that I was most excited about last night and the thing, and I'm interested, Grant and Dalton, um, you know, what your thoughts were to game four it seemed Brunson was more comfortable with Luke on the court still attacking. And it seemed in game four, he was kind of hesitant and, you know, really deferential, um, you know, really not taking his opportunities. Like it was just trying to get the ball back in Luca's hands. And last night he played like a co-star, you know, the efficiency wasn't, fantastic but it was a rough start and he kind of bounced back from there started 04 um 
and you know the threes weren't falling but what were your thoughts like did did you share that kind of same uh thought in the sense of him being more assertive more aggressive was there any x's and o's to kind of point to that being the case and just how do you feel about Brunson kind of stepping into that role yeah well my 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 initial thoughts last night when the game started because I think Brunson started out like one of six or one of seven from the field. He he had a horrible start to the game. And, you know, I kind of sarcastically tweeted out something like, yeah, maybe Rick Brunson shouldn't have made those comments <laughs> in that ESPN piece that was published earlier that day about, you know, basically saying they don't want to hear that the Mavs love him. They want him to show it by paying him and all that stuff. So uh, when that happened, I was just like, man, I, I think Rick probably uh, picked a bad time to – to put that out into the world, but to Brunson's credit, he bounced back. You're right. I mean, it, it, it probably did take a little bit of an adjustment. I know these guys have, you know, started together, uh, for the most, for the majority of the regular season, but if you're a basketball junkie, then you know, there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, when when Brunson had to step in there and be the guy for three games and the Mavs went up to one and then all of a sudden Luca comes back and, you know, Jalen's been playing at this otherworldly level, you know, above probably what he should be playing at. I'm sure it does take a little bit of an adjustment, you know, a readjustment to get back into it. But, you know, they're professionals and uh, they still had good overall numbers in game four. But you're right. I mean, it, it seemed like it flowed more naturally 
in game five. Uh, they they played well off of each other, uh, and then once you know once they got past their first half shooting, not just Brunson, Luca had a a bad you know start to the game shooting wise as well. Uh, but once they got over that, you know, Luca exploded for 19 points in the third quarter. Uh, it just it worked really well together. But what do you think about Brunson's performance last night with Luca Grant? Yeah, I think there was uh I think there was less ISO uh from him uh going from uh game four to five. Uh you know, I think uh he ran some more ball screens and I think uh there was more of a balance of uh him having his his chances to kinda initiate things as well. And I think uh I think I liked uh you know, with how the Jazz were picking up pretty early with pressure, uh like on, on the beginning of possessions. I liked how uh, Dwight Powell uh, was used, uh, given some handoffs uh, as a counter. I think, uh, you know, Luca and uh, Brunson each had a couple opportunities uh, in those situations. I think the main thing, though, is that uh, I think uh, Brunson was more intentional about, um, like, his off-the-ball chances. I think he uh, made the most of those. I think he uh, he had, like, six spot-up uh, scoring opportunities out of uh, – uh, game five compared to three in uh, game four. And I think, uh, you know, he had a couple cuts too where, uh, uh, you know, uh, I think that one uh, dump off pass he made uh, to Dorian Finney-Smith, who was, uh, you know, cutting uh, on his drive. Uh, I think that was a pretty interesting uh, way to make an impact, kind of just, uh, you know, attacking a defense that's out of rotation and creating a shot for somebody else. Um, you know, little things like that add up throughout the course of a game. And, uh you know, uh, especially when you have a guy who's already commanding so much attention like Luca, I think, uh, you know, that just makes a, a layered attack, and that's what you want in the playoffs for sure. And it's, you know, his, one thing I see with Brunson, I mean, he's he's been good all year. I mean, we, we know what he's capable of, especially when Luca's out and he's had to start in Luca's place, you know, as, as the main guy. I mean, we've seen what he can do this season, but – the difference in this postseason, in my opinion, is just like his confidence level is just through the roof. Like, you know, in in the playoffs last year against the Clippers, he took that personally, like how bad he played against that matchup. And, you know, he, he desperately wanted to come out in this postseason and prove people wrong, you know, that he can perform at a high level in the playoffs. And he's just, he's just been out there acting different <laughs> in this first-round series. You know, last night – he hit that big corner three, uh, just nothing but net. And then on his way back, uh, running back down the court, he like you know slipped his fingers under his nose like he was wiping away the saliva or you know <laughs> stuff like that. You know he's just there's just a extra boost of confidence that's just radiating off of Jalen Brunson right now, and I I love it. I mean he's he's legitimately playing like a like a co star. And I, all I know is Mark Cuban. I, I know people say like, "Oh, well, I don't, I don't want him to pay Brunson this amount." You know, this is where we draw the line in the sand. You can't do that. You can't do that. You cannot afford to lose Jalen Brunson. You pay him now. If you let him go, it's not like you're going to have cap space to do anything else. You have to pay Jalen Brunson whatever it takes to keep him. And then you know, if something happens later down the line, you can trade him. But, you know, you just can't afford to lose him for nothing. So uh, I think that they're going to they're gonna end up, you know, giving him a big, long contract this this offseason and everything's going to be fine. But, Christian, uh, what do you think about the contract situation? And do you have anything else from Game 5 you want to talk about? Yeah, with the contract, I agree. I mean, I 
I wanted to see what he looked like in the playoffs. So I, I do understand. I To be fair, though, I if he was going to accept the four for 55 in, or four for 50 or whatever it was uh, at the beginning of the season, I thought we should have done it because it gave us the flexibility. Like if, you know, worst case scenario, we did want to move on for a larger scale trade or whatever, we would have that ability to do that without kind of the constraints of a sign in trade. But I, you know, the the most common thing, and I agree to an extent, is, you know, you want to see how he does A, in the playoffs, but B, against Lane. The, where I think the conversation has uh, kind of gone a little bit too far is, you know, he's really bad against Lane. He's really bad against Lane. And then when we talk about the examples, it's like, oh, versus the Suns, he didn't do so well. Versus the Clippers, he didn't do so well. They're probably the two best defenses when healthy in the entire league when it comes to having guys that could kind of guard one through four, one through five, three through five, whatever. Um, and so it, I don't think it's even necessarily as much as a Brunson problem as much as probably like 98% of the league struggles with them. And then you have like the top five, top 10 or so guys who can just, I mean, like Luca, right? He cooked Kawhi, he cooked Paul George, he cooked whoever, right? Um, so I, I'm good doing well, absolute – oh, go ahead. Sorry, Dalton. Well, I was going to say, well, I mean, this is where the much improved defense comes into play, you know, for the team overall as well because it's like with this Jazz team, you can just see how tired they are. <laughs> after, after five just absolute grind-out games – they just look physically defeated. They look super tired. And that's not something you saw out of this team, out of the Mavs last year. You know, like with the Clippers, they look like the Clippers got stronger in game six and game seven <laughs> when the Mavs somehow found a way uh, to go up 3-2 uh, in that series. So there's just a different feel to everything this year. And I think, you know, Brunson benefits from that too. You don't have these guys, even if he's going up against somebody with, with length, it's not like, you know, they're, they're getting defended harder than they would have in years past. And I feel like the fatigue factor comes into it as well because, you know, it, there's a lot of things, you know, give Jalen Brunson his credit. He has put in the work and he's become, you know, a better player. But I think a lot of it has to do with the, you know, the, the team defense improving. Uh, Jason Kidd, you know, have, giving him more of uh, slack, you know, not not keeping him so tight on the leash like uh, Rick Carlisle did. There's a lot of things that go into it, but I'm just I'm glad it's worked out, and I'm glad that he's uh, you know kind of morphed into the Lucas co-star in this postseason so far. But yeah, and I, I agree fully, and I think to that to that latter point is he seems to like ready to kind of pick up that role of like being the, the other dependable player uh, on the squad that could be that he, he really has a very different uh, kind of, you know, player, both body size and all that, but that kind of Chris Middleton feel, he can have some stinkers and, you know, that happens, but it seems he's pretty dependable to average over 20, bo- 20 points uh, per game in the series 
around five or so assists and around five or so rebounds. So like right around that 25 and five mark, give or take, you know, one or so. Um, and I, you know, we got to close this out. Uh, Utah is a tough place to play. They were just embarrassed. Um, you know, I, I think it, it's not like they're just going to roll over. But if we do, and I always hate looking ahead, I will say when it comes to the Suns, and I know uh, this had been mentioned before, but we've played them very close now for a couple. I mean, they beat us every time, but we have played them very, very close. And I think to the point that you were making, Dalton, of this, this team seems confident in a way they haven't prior. Jason Kidd was like a you know, statue in the regular season. And he's been, you know, whether it was giving it to the Jazz fans, telling them to shut up, whether it's been, you know, showing his emotions on the sidelines, I've really liked seeing that. And I think he's done just a great job of having these having these guys believe that they can do this, to trust each other, to knock down the shot. And they've been repaying Luca's faith, certainly more than, you know, in the past seasons. We, we've seen these Clipper series where, and we just can't buy an open bucket. Um, so I, I'm extremely confident moving forward. Uh, you know, think Booker's injury plays to it. But, man, Dorian just doing a bit of everything. Reggie doing a bit of everything. Like, even on a poor night shooting for Reggie, he was still a little over 33%, which if if that's your, your worst night, I think we're doing all right. Uh, Maxi, I mean, just on down the line, can't say enough. I definitely hope uh, Josh Green gets some uh, going in and uh, hope we s- really just station him in the corner because I think we need to maximize his success and build his confidence and think that's where he needs to be placed at a, you know, above the break three, uh, not particularly fond of. But I'll give other folks a chance to to speak. And, you know, Dalton, Grant, I appreciate your time. Uh, always appreciate talking with you all and go Mavs. Appreciate it, Christian. And, you know, I, I see it mentioned in the chat down there too. We haven't even touched on this yet, but this will be our last topic before we move on here. You know, Spencer Dinwid, you know, the Mavs are up three, two in this series and they have a legitimate chance of ending this series in six. And it's really without Spencer Dinwiddie having a good shooting. And, I mean, that's that's kind of sugarcoating it. He has been awful shooting the ball this entire series. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's under 30% from the field. Uh, I have no idea what his overall three-point percentage is in this series, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if it's under 20%. Like, he, is just, he has just been off the mark. Now, he's done some good things here and there. He's been pretty good defensively. <clears throat> you know, he's still doing some good stuff, but – uh, you know, I, they could really benefit from him breaking out and having a good shooting game uh, to end this series. At least, you know, give him a little bit of momentum heading into round two. But, you know, I think that might have something to do with uh, with matchup for him too. Uh, but, you know, I, I, in a way I think that. But then I look at, you know, some of the replays and everything of the shots he's getting too – it doesn't seem like he's getting that bad of shots. It seems like he's just missing. So, I mean, what what do you think about Dinwiddie and what he needs to do to get going, if not in game six, you know, heading into round two if the Mavs close things out? 
Yeah, I think a lot of it is uh, he's just missing a lot of pull-ups and uh, just shots off the dribble that he uh, was hitting at. A, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. That he was uh, hitting at a very high clip in the regular season, and they're just not dropping in this series. But I think another thing too is it's like um, it's hard for him to probably get too much of a rhythm when he's using uh, like when he's used to using ball screens to get to the rim and just being aggressive getting downhill, but he's got Rudy Gobert or Hassan Whiteside almost at all times in the paint, uh, kind of deterring that level of aggression. Um, so I think uh, it's, it's a tough matchup uh, from that standpoint because, uh, you know, he is a downhill-oriented player, uh, and I feel like his off-the-dribble shooting has some sort of rhythm element that typically goes with it. So if he's having to rely more on his off-the-dribble shooting, I think that's where it becomes a problem. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a combination of a tough matchup, and I think there was some unsustainability to his regular season that you know we're kind of starting to see, obviously, with uh, those shots not dropping. But, um, yeah, I think uh, it's, it's like uh, I know, I know uh, an answer of just make shots is pretty simple, but I think that's well, uh, what it comes down to. Well, and I mean, a big part of Dinwiddie's game, too, is getting to the free throw line. And, Grant, I don't know if you have these numbers, you know, handily available or if, if it's something you could look up real quick. But I, I feel like, you know, he's not getting to the line near as much as <laughs> what he was when, you know, he initially got traded to the Mavs from that point to the end of the season. It feels like he's not really getting the benefit of the whistle uh, in this series. A lot of these misses, and I remember earlier – in the series maybe it was game I can't remember if it was game one or game two but you know he had a half court heave and got raked across across the short shoulder and didn't get a call <clears throat> and he just went on and on in the the post-game press conference I think it was game two now that I think about it because it was after Brunson went off for 41 points and Dinwiddie was just like uh, you know, my shooting stats wouldn't look as bad as they do right now if I had gotten this call here and this call there. So I'm th- I'm wondering, like, you know, how much of this is, is him not getting the benefit of the whistle like he did in the regular season? I do think there's some of that. I think, honestly, I was looking at some of the numbers. Uh, they're pretty staggering. Uh, on, like, when you just look at isolation, that's he's taken 34.4% of his offensive possessions as isos, and he's shooting 8 of 28 on those, like 28.6%. And when you look at ball screens, he's producing literally – point three four five points per possession he's three of 22 on shot attempts um out of that play type 13.6 percent i think uh yeah i think uh it's just been it's just been pretty rough in general i think uh he's been getting to the free throw line a decent amount like uh out of those particular types of plays but i think uh I don't know. It's just it's just a bizarre thing because the there's been a plummet uh, from uh, the regular season, and then when you look back at his uh, last Brooklyn Nets regular season, he was statistically the worst off the dribble shooter in the NBA to get 200 attempts in the season. So it's like kind of a weird volatile. Um, the peaks are are high, but the floor is like very very rough at times. Well, the floor has been so rough in <laughs> efficiency wise in this first round series. It's got me thinking that it can only be up from here. So <laughs> I'm, I'm interested in seeing how he performs in the second round. You know, if the Mavs do close this thing out, whether they play the Pelicans or 
the Phoenix Suns. I, I'll be in, interested and focused in on seeing how, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie can bounce back. But, Grant, that's going to do it for today. Is there anything else you want to plug in here before we take off? Yeah, I think uh, I'm actually going to write a, a detailed look at uh, Dinwiddie's uh, playoff series so far. I think uh, kind of give us some context behind those uh, those numbers and taking a look at uh, what's you know uh, worked and what's not worked uh, would be a kind of interesting thing. And then uh, just like looking through uh, Game Five as a whole, uh, kind of like what what went into their defensive execution. And then uh, probably a little bit of like the adjustments offensively with the uh, stack pick and rolls and things of that nature that uh, helped them uh, produce uh, against the, you know, like the Jazz's adjustments from game four. Uh, So I think, uh, you know, throughout today and tomorrow, we'll have some of those for sure. Yeah, y'all definitely stay tuned with DallasBasketball.com. Just loads of content every single day. Uh, we've been extensively covering this series top to bottom, and there's more good stuff on the way. Uh, look, guys, if you go give us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, uh, that'll automatically enter you for a chance to win any Mavs tick- ticket giveaways that we do in the future. We do those every now and then. And, you know, instead of posting it every time and being like, oh, you got to do this, this, and this to enter, uh, if you simply go and give us a review and just put your – whichever social media at you want to put on there, that'll automatically enter you for any future giveaways. It makes it easy for everybody and you'll have your name in the hat for any of those future giveaways we do. So be sure to do that. Uh, be sure to like rate and subscribe on all your favorite podcast platforms. And we appreciate it y'all. Thanks for coming in and listening. Thanks for those who joined us. Uh, we'll have to do it again and get more of you up here to talk with us uh, in the future. And, uh, we will see y'all sometime after game six, either either Friday. It may you know go on into the weekend, but we appreciate it, y'all. Y'all have a good rest of the week.